Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Once again, good morning. Glad you joined us today. Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going to look. And uh, as you heard, we're kicking off a new series that will lead right up to Easter and uh, just the, the week before Easter, actually, to take us to Palm Sunday. And uh, what a celebration as we prepare for Easter. And so these next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, just uh, preparing our hearts and ready for all that Easter is and um, knowing full well what God has made available to us and being ready to experience and to walk in all that God has. You know, we can be in the vicinity, but sometimes lack the intimacy. We can be in the, the vicinity of what God is doing, but sometimes lack the intimacy of, of knowing him intimately and, and, and uh, just directly, that he has prepared a place for us. And so uh, uh, we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll join us. Uh, it's going to culminate all the way uh, to uh, Palm Sunday, but we're on the week of, of uh, Holy Week on Wednesday, I don't know the date offhand, but uh, that Wednesday before Easter, we are going to share in a Jewish Passover meal. And uh, it is not just going to be communion. It is going to be a, a, a Passover meal that uh, will uh, just be an opportunity to uh, honor, remember, and celebrate what Jesus has made possible. And so I hope you'll make plans to be a part of that. You will need to go online and register. And uh, space is limited, one of those things that we need you to, uh, to sign up for so that we can uh, be prepared for that. But this is going to take us all the way to that moment. When I think of Easter, and especially leading up to Easter, I can't help but think of communion. And the time that Jesus spent, the last supper that he spent with his disciples, and uh, as he, he ate with them that last meal before he went to be crucified. And the, the Bible says that every time we're to eat this meal, and when we do, we're to do this in remembrance of him. But it tells us as well that we're to examine ourselves, that we're not to eat it in an unworthy manner, that we're not to do a righteous act with an unrighteous heart, that we've got to have our heart in the right place. And so these next four weeks, we really want to just take a look at, at evaluating, preparing our hearts, and walking into a place of, of just closer intimacy and recognizing the place that Christ has prepared for us. How many know that when you have a seat at the table, it's a place of belonging? It's a place of intention, that he has a seat that is pre prepared for you. He has a place for you, and that we would experience and uh, be a part of what God has for us in this season of, uh, of celebration and Easter. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great, uh, great time uh, together, and uh, we're glad you're a part of it. Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going to uh, look at this today and, and kicking off this series uh, as we lead into our, our pre-Easter series here together. In Revelation chapter 3, this is John who is uh, one of the apostles who is writing the letters in Revelation to the churches in the areas. There are seven churches that are listed and he's told by Jesus to write a letter to each one. And uh, he's writing a letter of correction, of setting things in order. And uh, I want to look at the, the letter that was written to the church in Laodicea. Would you stand with me today as we look at God's word together in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. As uh, John is writing this, he's on the island of Patmos. He is there uh, banished and exiled, really left for dead. But how many know that even though the world might send you to a place that seems to be left for dead, God knows where to find you. That God can give you a revelation in the midst of your disappointment. 
How many know that he's a God who can reveal himself in the midst of your disappointments? You might be at a place of, of unfortunate circumstances, situations, but his grace, his mercy, his presence is there to meet with us. And uh, this is Jesus speaking to John while he's on the island. Uh, and uh, he tells him to write this word specifically, this one, to the church in Laodicea. This would be in Asia Minor, Laos, which is a country there that we know. But he says to write this, this letter to them. Write this letter to the angel or the pastor of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen. Here's the amen. The faithful one, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. How many know that when you say amen, it means to agree and to say so be it. But when we say amen with the one who is from the beginning, Jesus Christ, the one who is creation, how many know that we can ask in his name and it shall be done? Not what we want, but according to his will, that he, we can ask according to his will, his desires. When we say in the name of Jesus, he says the one who is amen. Write this letter. I know all the things that you do. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm, like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's just fun. That was a fun message of preaching youth group. You can get real graphic and visuals, and then you make somebody eat something they don't like, and then they throw up in front. We never did that. That's, that's disgusting. Um, he says, I will vomit you out of, out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. Uh, but you're, you're lukewarm. Verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you. How many know it's always good to take Jesus' advice? Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a problem paying for counselors. But why would you pay for counselors and ignore the free one that he's given you all the counsel and his direction? And if, by the way, if you're going to pay one, make sure they line up with what the great counsel is, that what the word of God is. It'll just make things a lot better. He says, so I advise you, here's his advice, buy gold from me, I'll take it, the kind of gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich, not rich according to this, the things of this world, but to the things of God, the things that matter. He says, then you'll be rich, also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. Praise the Lord, I love that scripture, my mom reminded me of that one too. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Verse 20, look. Tell your neighbor, look. 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 How many are willing to admit and confess that moment that your child came up to you and said, hey, look. And you said, what? Without even looking. How many have ever done that before? A couple honest people in the room. You've never done that. Never once. I, I believe you. Yeah. I, I wondered today, God is saying, look. And sometimes we, we come to the same place in the same direction but never change our gaze. I pray today we change our gaze. Maybe today that God would give us a fresh perspective, new direction. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. We will dine. I will dine with you and you with me. We will join together. Verse 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Do you see? He's got a seat for you. He's got a place prepared for you. Father, I pray today that we would understand, Lord, what you have made possible, what you've made ready, and God, that we would be ready to receive and to walk in what you've made available for us today. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, would you say amen? 
Amen. You may be seated. Tell your neighbor today, tell them you're invited. You're invited. Uh, I don't know to what, but hey, you're invited. Um, I want to I start t- today this uh, pre-Easter uh, series, Getting Us Ready for Easter, Seat at the Table. I want to just share from this simple title today, A Personal Invitation. That God, through Jesus Christ, has given you and I a personal invitation. You realize that every invitation is met with evaluation. Every invitation you get goes through an evaluation process. Here's what I mean. You get the invitation, and as you look at the invitation, you realize that you're invited, but when you're invited, you determine and look to say whether or not you've got time to go to what you've been invited to. How many know what I'm talking about? There are some things that you get invited to and you feel obliged to go to, and then there's other things you feel obligated to go to. There's sometimes you get invited and you can't find a reason not to say no to the invitation. Other things you get invited to and you wish you could come up with some good reason to say no. If we're just being real, not every invitation is something we want to say yes to, but every invitation we get is something that we give an evaluation to. We, we determine whether or not the value of the invitation is something that we're going to make time for. There's some things that we look and we say, well, we'll see if it fits in our schedule. We'll see if we've got time for the invitation. There's other things that come along, and it's like, I don't care what I've got going on that day. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to that. It's evaluated the things that we get invited to, and it's one thing to evaluate what to accept, what invitations to accept, but you realize that it's not only difficult to figure out what, what invitations to, to accept, it can also be difficult to figure out what invitations to write and who to give them to. Anyone who's been, who has gotten married and has planned a wedding reception knows that the list has to stop somewhere. I mean, you have that list, and it's like, where do you stop? Where's the cut? Who do you invite? Who do you leave out? How do you do that? If you want to know the best way to cause controversy, just let somebody out of the invitation. I think wedding receptions have given family counselors a great deal of business. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do business to get rid of it. We harbor it and carry it with us. I can't believe I didn't get invited to. I can't believe that didn't. And we can have the difficulty sometimes of, of trying to figure out why? Because when you make the decision of to invite or what invitation to take, you're giving value to that. Do you realize that Jesus gave value to you and I because he gave an invitation to us and he's given us an invitation? Here's the interesting thing, that when we get an invitation, we evaluate the invitation. We evaluate the value of the invitation even though someone saw value in us to give us the invitation. I mean, think about that, that someone saw enough value. And so because of the value, we evaluate the invitation that someone valued us enough to give. They saw enough value and they gave us an invitation. And now they valued us. Here's the question. Do we value the opportunity as much as they valued giving it to us? Think about it. Because that's what you're doing every time you get invited to something. You're evaluating whether your schedule can fit it, whether it's going to work, whether you'll move something around, how important it is. And you evaluate the value of that invitation when someone gave value to even give it to you. The question I want to ask you today is what are you doing with Jesus' invitation? What have you done with the invitation that Jesus has given to each and every one of us, that he's made a place, that he's given us an invitation to be with him, to do life with him? He's inviting you into his world, into his work. What are we doing with the invitation? He's standing at the door, 
and he's knocking. He, he literally says that he stands at the door and knocks. In, in verse 20, we just read, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is saying, I want to make time to be with you to commune, that word to have communion, to come together, to interact. When we do communion, it's more than just having bread and juice. It's about remembering what Jesus, coming to a place of observing and, and recognizing the significance, the value, the importance that we can have communion with Jesus even without the elements of communion. Because the communion that we have with Jesus is not just the bread that is on the table, but the bread that is in the word of God. Because Jesus is the bread of life and his word, his spoken, he is the word, that bread that we, that we take and partake in. He says, I stand at the door and he gives you and I a personal invitation. It's so personal that he stands at your door knocking. I mean, it's so personal that he showed up to where you are, to your address you know, there's sometimes you can get an invitation, and it's just a general invitation. And it's one of those invitations of, hey, I've got an event, and you're standing there. I don't have your name on it, but hey, you're invited. Do you ever get those invitations? That's totally fine. That's good. But then there are those other invitations that are mailed right to your house. It's got your name on it. It's got your address. It goes right to where you are. I want you to know that God is so personal that he's standing at your door, the place of where you are, and he's knocking. He's not standing at a distance and saying, hey, come to me. He's coming right to where you are. He's at the address in the place of your, of your chaos, your disappointment, your hurt, your failure, your pain. God shows up in the place of those moments in life that he's standing at the door and he's knocking. He's so personal that he says, if anyone hears my voice. Do you know how personal it is when you hear someone's voice? I mean, it gets real personal. And you know how personal it is with somebody when you hear their voice and you recognize who it is. When you know that person's voice, they don't even have to say who they are. Why? Because they know their voice. The Bible says, Jesus and my sheep will know my voice. They'll have communion. They'll have connection with me that they'll hear my voice. And just because they hear my voice, they respond. They want to open the door. They come because they hear his voice. I wonder, do you know that relationship? How is your relationship with Jesus Christ? That you hear his voice and respond and walk into the, into the place that he's prepared. What it is that he's preparing and make ready, making ready for us. Are we responding? He says that I will come in. I want you to see what he brings. That Notice what it is that he brings with him. He says if I come in, if anyone hears my voice, they open the door. He says I'll come in and I'll eat. We'll share a meal together as friends. Two key things that Jesus brings when he shows up in our midst. He brings sustenance and he brings support. He brings something to eat and he brings a relationship. How many know that there are moments in our lives that there are points when we need someone who can bring nourishment and someone who can bring friendship? Raise your hand if you ever needed a friend. You know what a friend, the, the, here's what Jesus says, I will be for you all that is needed. Why? Because I'm the bread of life and I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a place that some people can't join you and meet you. You know it. You know there's a pain and a level of disappointment that not everybody can join you and know and be involved in what you're walking through only by the grace of God. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll meet with you. I'll share with you. I'll give you what you need. I realize that there are times I want for God to change the circumstances in my life. And it's not always God just changing the circumstances. God is changing the condition of me to move me into a new place that he has for me. 
can we grow in our relationship with Jesus to say, Father, God, Jesus, my desire is not that you change my circumstances before you change my condition. What is a prayer that says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done? God, I want this circumstance to change. I want this this situation, and without a doubt, I want the waters to calm. But sometimes God will let the waters be what they are because he's moving us to a place that he knows that if he kept us comfortable, we'd just stay right where we are. What do you think a loving father wants to do when you're in the midst of something that is irritating, that's that's difficult, that's troubling? Does he want to make you comfortable in the place that you are, or do you think he might allow that thing to work in your life to move you to what he has for you? I mean, no, every good father is going to say, I'm going to allow these things to work. Not that you're going to be in that place alone. I'm not going to calm, maybe not always calm the storm. I'm not always going to calm the circumstance. Can he? Yes. Will he all the time? No. Does he calm every storm and every situation that comes along? Absolutely not. I know in the book of Acts, I remember reading, you know the story when Peter was set free. Peter's led out of prison, and everybody rejoices because Peter showed up. It was a miracle. The angel came and let Peter out. Guess what a verse later or two says? James was beheaded. How did Peter get left out from a miracle and James went through what James went through? How do you, is it the same God? Yeah. Is he the same faithfulness? Yeah. Did he allow? Yeah. What, what is he? I don't understand all of his ways, but I know that he's working in our midst and that he's working and prevailing, that he's doing a work in us and he's preparing a place for us that we can know him more intimately. You know, one of the ways to really know someone is to go through trouble with them. You really get to know somebody when you go through trouble together. You might know somebody and you know them, but then marry them and live with them. Then you really learn what love really is. Then you really learn what it is. Why? Because in those moments of closeness, it creates those moments of difficulty, and you walk through things together. And when you do that, how many know that that creates a whole different level? Why is there such, such camaraderie on teams? Because they win together. Because teams go through things and opportunities and, and situations and they come out, especially the ones that win. Why? Because it creates this, this sense of we belong, we're apart, we fought, we went through, we accomplished something, we did something. Do you know the intimacy that you gain and develop with Christ is that when you let him into the midst of what you're going through, that he walks with you, you get to know him like you've never known him before. You don't know him as the one who's able to calm the storm until you're in the midst of the storm. And now you don't just say, wow. Look, he calmed the storm, but you say, who is this man that who is able to even speak to the winds to be still? Who is this God that shows up in the midst of my circumstance, my life? He's giving us an invitation. He says he'll come, he'll share a meal with us, and he's given us this because he has value. He values you. If you want to know today if you have any value, just look at what Jesus did on the cross. I know you might say, well, Jesus did that, and what he did on the cross was for somebody else, but not for me. I want you to know that Jesus says that whosoever, he personalizes, personalizes it today, and he's saying it to you. But he's not willing that any should perish. He's giving an invitation, and just the invitation itself says that he has value, that you have value. 
Just the invitation itself says that he's got a, a, a seat prepared for you, a place prepared for you. There are many places. It, it says, of course, David said in Psalms, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. John tells us, Jesus says in John, that I go to the Father to prepare a place for you, that when the time is right, I'll come and get it. I'll come and get you for that place. Why? It's so personal. He's prepared this for you. This isn't just general across the board. He's prepared this life and this journey for you. He's prepared for you, this journey that might not look what every, like everybody else is going through. It's not going to look like someone else's journey. It's not going to be in the same places, the same pattern, but it's going to go in the same direction, the same faith, the same Lord, the same spirit that God is going to work in our lives to bring us to the place of what he's called us to, to what he has. What are we doing with the invitation? He valued us enough to give us a personal invitation. Do you value the opportunity enough to accept it? Have you accepted the invitation What have you done with the invitation? I want to look at just some of the ways that we can respond to the invitation that God would give to us. Here's number one. Sometimes we can respond with indifference. Here's what I mean by indifference, and you understand indifference is, eh, take it or leave it. It's not that important. It has this lack of zeal and desire. It's, it's not something that is, that is so necessary or seems to be so important. It, what comes with this is apathy. And apathy means to not really care, to be here but not in. To be in the vicinity but not in the intimacy. Do you know what that apathy does? Apathy makes Jesus puke. This is what it is. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because you're like lukewarm water, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Here's something I think is interesting. Do you know that he'll spit you out of his mouth Do you know what that says to me? That is even the love and the grace of God. You say, well, how's that the love and grace of God? He would spit you out of his mouth. Here's the love and grace of God, that he even gives you a chance and determines to spit you out rather than spitting on you. He could have rejected you even before. Not even a chance. He could have just spit right on us. But no, he gave us a chance. He gave us an opportunity. You know why? He's made it possible for everyone to come. But if we don't come to the place of the condition, to the the heart that God wants it turns God, it turns his stomach. It makes him sick. Jody and I were at our uh, city, uh, our, our uh, spring city trip this past week, and we has been a habit for us to get away, just the two of us, to go visit uh, a city. And uh, we went to a, a special place on our bucket list by the grace of God and just some uh, uh, blessings, and we went to Rome, Italy. And uh, we went to Rome, Italy because Jody loves Italian food, and so I just love to travel. So she said, I want to go to Italy. So we decided that's on our bucket list. And so by the grace of God, we went there this past week, and we had it on our bucket list, and now it's off our bucket list. So we're getting a bigger bucket list now. And, uh, um, but we, we, we had the, the privilege to spend a couple days there. As we're in the, the country, Jody is about the Italian food. So I'm ordering what I think is good. I just know if it's got meat in it, it's going to be something good. That's what I want. Jody, of course, says to the waiter, what do you recommend? He knows we're not from here. It's kind of obvious. And uh, he begins to tell her what she should order because if you're in Rome, if you're here, and especially this time of year, you need to eat this. And so Jody says, I'll do it. She orders the thing that he said you need to eat. That thing came out. My food came out. Jody is eating especially slow. She always eats slow. I eat fast because if I eat all of mine before she eats half of hers, I get mine and half of hers. And so it's a, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. It's just the job. And uh, 
Uh, but this one, she's eating especially slow. And I'm thinking, oh, the blessing of the Lord has fallen on me today. I'm going to get this both. She, she shoves it to my side of the table, and she whispers. I don't hear what she whispers, but she slides it across. And I know what that means, invitation, dig in. So I took the fork, and I began to take a bite of this spaghetti, this type of noodle. And someone correct me, it's pasta. I, it's noodle, all right? Just follow me. Now, now, when you order there, it, it's, it's, it's like different kinds of pasta or noodle. It's like special. So I don't mean to offend the Italians. I'm German and Polish, so that doesn't, you know, I don't understand all that. So I don't want to, uh, uh, to offend the Italians. But a noodle is a noodle, okay. She ordered the special kind this time of year. That's what she got. And so the sauce, and I'm thinking it's just a noodle. I eat this thing, and when I eat this thing, it tastes like cow manure. I pushed it back across the table, and I said to her a little louder than she whispered, that tastes like cow manure. She said, that's what I told you. I wish I would have heard her the first time. Because how many know there's certain things you just can't get out of your mind or out of your mouth the moment you smell that? We found out from educated people that that was white mustard. Who knew? Didn't know anything about white mustard. So what do I do? I Google white mustard. WebMD, no kidding, look it up. WebMD, one of the uses for white mustard to cause vomiting. Who knew? I did. That'll work. So if you want to know how to get rid of whatever that is, talk to Jody. whatever she ordered. It will make you puke. But according to him over there, it's the thing to eat right now. That's like the best thing. So now that I've offended all the people who love that kind of food, I mean, it just turned what, what to a point. I gave it a taste, and I even swallowed it. I was kind enough. I didn't spit it out. But I pushed that thing away. Why? Because it didn't sit with me. It didn't sit with me. Do you know what Jesus is saying on that day? There's some things. He said, I don't want to spit. I won't spit on you because my love is for you. He would never spit on people. He always welcomes people. But the problem is, when people are in the condition that doesn't sit well with him, he can't stomach it. He pushes it out. He regurgitates. He throws up. Jesus uses this word to tell John what to write. He's making it vivid to say, I will reject those things. I won't reject people, but I'll reject the condition. I don't have a problem with pasta, but you put that stuff on it, I do. I'll eat anything. I mean, look at me. I don't have a problem. But in that condition, it doesn't sit well. Do you know what God's saying? Jesus is saying, I love people. I'll take everybody. But there's certain conditions that don't sit well with him. The heart that is tainted, that is not fully committed to him. This is not just the wicked and sinful heart. He said, I'd rather you be cold and indifferent, or, or not just indifferent, but turned off to the grace of God. But to be in the apathy and the careless. He said to be in it but unmoved by it. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Not because I hate you or despise you, but because it doesn't sit well. In Leviticus, in fact, here's what apathy does. The reason that indifference is, is, is uh, taking place or what it does and it causes vomit, God to vomit is because this apathy is connected to unproductivity is that when we allow this indifference, we become unproductive. In the book of Leviticus, it says this. He says, honor the regulations that I've given you. God is speaking to Israel. 
He says, honor the regulations that I've given you in this new land, this place that I've given you. If you do not, the land will vomit you out. Why will the land vomit you out? Because the blessing that God desires there cannot produce with a tainted seed that will not work well. He will spit it out. It becomes unproductive. Why? Because when it's unproductive, he can't work with it. It's the same reason he said to the tree that when he was speaking in John, in, in the book of John, and Jesus writes or Jesus says these words, and John captures them. He says this, that if a tree does not bear good fruit, what's he do? He cuts it down. Why? Because if it's not productive, it cannot be in my presence. If it's not producing, if it's not, and sometimes we can accept the invitation with indifference. Well, we'll see what I got going on. We'll see if today's a good day. We'll see, maybe. And sometimes we can address the things of God as a nonchalant, I don't know. We'll see if it fits my schedule. See if it works with me. There's this indifference. He says he'll spit us out of his mouth because the unproductivity, that if we're not allowing the Spirit of God to work in us, there is no power that is in our lives that does not change our life. It is not power if it does not change us. If it does not change us, it's not power. And if it's not power, it does not come from God. And if it does not come from God, we've not received the spirit that is God. You cannot receive Jesus and not be changed. You cannot receive Jesus and not be changed. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus Christ and it not change the way you do life and the way you look at life, the way you respond to life, the way you address things. You cannot That is unproductive, that is indifference, and he will spit you out of his mouth. Let me give you the second one. Second way that we can respond to invitations sometimes is not only do we become indifferent, but sometimes we can respond with ignorance. That, you know, this ignorance is is in in different types of of ignorance, and, and one is that we can operate in is an arrogant ignorance. And here's the arrogant ignorance. Ignorance is something that we don't know. And here's the arrogant ignorance. He tells us, he says that some of us, some of them will say that I have no needs. I have no needs. I have everything I need. I have no needs. And he says, but you don't realize you're poor, you're naked, you're, you're, you're wretched, you're miserable. You don't realize. And there's an ignorance. And sometimes the, the basic ignorance becomes an arrogant ignorance. And this arrogant ignorance is literally that. It's arrogant. I don't need Jesus. I got my job, I got my family, I got my career, I got my stuff, I got my ducks in a row, I got everything. I don't need Jesus. Jesus is just there to to be a crutch if something gets in trouble, but I've got it all. And there's an ignorance that says I don't need him. But not only is there an ignorance, just an ignorance that comes from an arrogance, but there's also an insecure ignorance. And this is when we're faced with our need for Jesus, when we realize our need or our need for change, and we misunderstand what it really means when God is pointing out some need for change in our life. Have you ever been convicted and confronted with something that needed to change in your life? No? Y'all are perfect people? Walking a straight line, got this all down. Raise your hand if you've ever been confronted and convicted with something that needs to change in your life. It's always good to be honest in church, and outside of church for that matter, really. Um, this need for change, how do you respond when you're confronted with your need to change? Some of us don't respond too well. In fact, when we recognize something needs to change, we don't respond too well to it. We either get defensive or this insecurity rises up. And and one of the, the extreme insecurities would be that God is revealing something that needs to change in us. 
And how many have ever had moments where something in you needed to change, but instead of you finding the purpose of needing something to change, you found the rejection as if you weren't good enough or you weren't wanted because you weren't accepted the way you are. You don't love me the way I am. No. Jesus loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you the way you are. When he points something in your life that needs to change, it's not his rejection of you. It's his desire to grow you and to bring you into something greater. Here's what the, the, what, what the, the scripture says in verse 19. Jesus says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. That's hard for us to see it that way, isn't it? He says, I correct only parents who love their children really get this. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say if you don't discipline, you don't love your kids. That's not what I said in a roundabout way. It is, but that's not entirely what I meant. Discipline is part of love. If you love someone, you discipline them in a healthy way. Now, if you love to discipline, that's a problem. All right? I mean, I, I don't know why mom said this. Notice I never say my dad. It was always mom. <laughs> Mom, mom, mom is one of those things of this hurts me more than it hurts you. I don't believe you, but if you say so. There is this, this, this desire that it's not that we want to, but there's this want to not discipline, but this want to see something develop out of the discipline. That God will allow. He's not rejecting you when you go through discipline or correction. It's not even him shunning you. It's him saying, I'm about to shine everything I am on you. How many know that when the, when the sun shines brighter, it reveals more of the blemishes? When the, shun, when the sun comes through, there's this certain window I cannot reach in the house. It's one of those arch, and I tried it before on the top of a six-foot ladder, and I fell off. So I didn't do that again because uh, Jody said it wasn't smart. And so uh, I think she knows better than I do, so I didn't do it again. And there's this one, you, we try to clean as much as we can. We get some of the spots, all the things. But the moment the sun hits it a certain way, it's like, oh, that window. How many know what I'm talking about? Why? When it's dark, it doesn't bother us. But when the light is greater, do you know what happens when there are things that make you uncomfortable? It's the light of God's glory. Somebody needs to hear this today because the Holy Spirit's speaking this to me. Jason, it's uncomfortable and tension at different points because my glory is shining greater on you. And sometimes my glory irritates the things that are around you. Sometimes my glory is going to irritate the things that are around you. The things that are not my glory are going to get irritated by the glory that's on you. And so some of you are being, being, feeling in opposition. And it's the glory of God that you never know the blemish and the things that are revealed. Now how you respond to that is the important thing. To allow the Holy Spirit to now correct and put that in order, to surrender, to accept his invitation to work in you and to create in you a better and more perfect person, right? To accept that invitation to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to work on this area. It's not his rejection. When he points out things that are difficult or flaws or things that are coming, it's not his rejection. It's his love for you and his glory that's shining brighter on you. It's the glory of the Lord that God is revealing and, and allowing to intensify, not being ignorant. Um, here it is. Uh, being in Jesus doesn't mean that we have no needs, but it means that Jesus is all we need. You're going to have needs. 
And so don't let those needs, when we realize we have needs, it's not rejection, it's not we're not good enough. It's that God is working ignorance or either arrogant ignorance or insecure ignorance, no matter what it is. Ignorance is always the result of me seeing myself without Jesus. I will always walk in ignorance when I see myself without Jesus. When I look at my situation apart from Jesus, I will always walk in ignorance. Have you invited Jesus into your, obviously he's invited you into his work, but have you invited him into yours? Let, let, me, let me give you the, just two more here as we close. Sometimes we can respond not only with indifference or with ignorance, but sometimes with insufficiency. And this is when we feel like we're not enough. This is, I don't have what it takes. And that's why Jesus says to buy from him what we need. Listen to what it says in verse 18. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that can be purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. He says, buy this from me. You have a need and I want to meet the need. How many know that the Bible says, and we believe this, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. My God shall supply all my needs according to somebody else who's going to take care of me down there. No, according to his riches. His provision. He says, you have needs, so guess what? Buy it from me. And I know we would say, well, how do I buy that if I'm poor? Jesus, you just told me I'm poor, so how can I buy from you if I'm poor? Because the currency of heaven is much different. The, the currency of heaven is faith. How many know that you're saved by faith? You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. You receive healing by faith. It is faith. But Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says this, faith producing itself or expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. Faith without works is, so the greatest work of faith is love. If we receive, how many know that you didn't get faith because you went and got it? You got faith because God gave it to you. It's the only way, faith is a gift from God. You didn't earn faith. You didn't get faith. He gave you faith. It's in you. Now we activate it. We use what he gave us. And now we take that currency that he gave us. And now we give back. And we use that to purchase from him. But guess what that purchase. And not what we, we can't purchase it. Because it's faith that he gives us. But it's faith expressing itself in love. Do you want to know how to invite or how to receive what God has for you? Is to fall in love with him. John is on the island of Patmos and he is exiled. He's left to die on the rocks of an island. On the rocks of an island, John hears the voice of Jesus speaking to him in a place of desolation, in a place of death, in a place of disappointment. Do you know how he was able to hear God in a place of disappointment? Because the Bible says that when Jesus had the Last Supper and he sat at the table with all the disciples, the Bible says in two places that John sat so close to Jesus that he leaned back against him to ask Jesus a question. John was so close that when he was at the table and he had time to be in the presence of Jesus, he got in his presence and he leaned against him at the table and spoke to him. He got close to him. He had intimacy. He had relationship. He knew him. Guess how he knew how to hear the voice in the place of the desert and the disappointment? Because he spent time leaning against him at the table. You know the voice of God when you become conditioned to spend time with God, to hear his voice, to allow the word to come alive in your heart. It transforms and changes. He's standing at the door knocking 
saying, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to spend time with you. How are we responding to the invitation today? He's standing at the door knocking. We can be indifferent. Ah, you know, I got other things, you know, other stuff. I got things. We can be ignorant. Ah, it's not a need. I really don't need that. It's not that important. We can be at a place of insufficiency. Well, I don't have what it takes. No, you don't have what it takes. But he says, buy from me. I'll give you what you need. Activate the faith. Or you can respond this way. Accept it with great pleasure. You can either check the box today that says, I regretfully decline. I don't know how you regretfully decline what Jesus has for you. Or you can check the box that says, I accept with great pleasure. To accept with great pleasure. And here's what he says, that if we are victorious, that we will sit in his seat. Just like he was victorious and he sat in the father's seat. There's only two seats. The one will never change. Jesus and God the Father, who are one, will always sit in that seat of authority. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus said, you can sit in the seat that is mine. What is his? The right hand of the Father. You can sit in that place of closeness and oneness with him. How? To have victory. What's victory? To keep persevering. Where does it begin? By opening the door to every invitation that God comes along. And when he knocks at your door. How do you get victory? By every day saying yes to the invitation that he says, I want to come in. Today, he's knocking at the door. He's saying, I want to meet with you. I want to commune with you. I want to dine with you. I want to share a meal with you like friends. What are you doing with the invitation? I have said to God, and I think you have too. You've been in a place and you've said, God, let me out. Let me out. Let me out. How many have ever been there? God, I'm in this place. Get me out. Let me out. I'm in this de- depression. I'm in this, this, this insecurity. I- I'm in this deficit. I'm in this debt. I'm in this, he- this sickness. I'm in this pain. Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. No, God's not responding to your knock to get out. He wants you to respond to the one that says, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Instead of saying, God, get me out, start saying, God, I'll let you in. I'll let you in. You can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That you're going to go through the fire. But guess what? He says, I'll come in. Let me in. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You'll not even be burned. You won't smell like smoke. Let me in. Let me in. Don't just get caught in depression and worry and disappointment and spiritual fatigue saying God's not answering my prayer God's not answering my prayer no you've not answered his invitation his invitation is let me into your brokenness let me into your pain don't stand there and say I don't know how to fix it I don't know what to do let me in he says to you I've prepared a table for you I've got a place for you don't stay in your despair let me in and it might be despair but watch me turn your sorrow into gladness watch me take your ashes and make them something beautiful watch me take your pain and create resurrection I am the life and the resurrection and anyone who believes in me shall live and not die this is the invitation what are you doing with the invitation that Jesus is giving to you and I today Would you stand to your feet all across this room? There's a table that he's prepared for you. And some of you, you need to overcome. You're going through a battle. You're going through a difficulty. I know you are. Some of you like, maybe next time, you don't know when that's going to be. But maybe you're going through something today. Maybe it's later. But we fight in the power and the authority of Jesus. Let him in today.